Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 41 of Season 4 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com when Harry met Sally, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is lapsed movie blogger Jess Rogers. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thanks, Rob. It's really great to be here. I'm excited you asked. Uh, I, I hope you're, you, know, you're, you're, you know what you're in for, and I hope that you don't have uh, too much pepper on your paprikash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's one I'm of the I'm gonna have some pecan pie instead. Sorry. Uh, you could, you could. That's. Uh, will you put? Will you partake in some pecan pie? That's you know, the goal. That every day. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, minute forty-one begins with uh, Harry rolling his eyes and ends with Sally taken off guard. So we ended things on Friday with you know Harry and Sally walking through Central Park talking about, um, I mean, we had a big debate last week on the show about whether these are actually sexual fantasies that they're talking about, or if they're, you know, sexual dreams, you know, it's because Harry was talking more about a dream and Sally was talking about a fantasy, you know, so we, we, we don't have a clear answer as to what it is. You know, it could be, it could be either, but you know, the, the, the way that this minute begins is right at the very end of what happens in that scene, you know, Sally says, oh, uh, you know, I, I just uh, changed the, sometimes I vary it a little bit. And Harry goes, which part of it do you vary? What do you she goes, change? what I'm wearing. What I'm wearing, <laughs> exactly. And, and then th- this minute basically opens up with Harry, you know, having a very strange look on his face and rolling his eyes, basically saying to himself that, you know, what the hell is she talking about? And then he just like looks away starts walking and like it looks like he has like a shiver go over his body you know just trying to imagine you know this this uh uh, sex fantasy that that sally is referring to i don't know he just doesn't seem to understand i i don't know if he doesn't understand or if he just doesn't get how sally sort of put together i mean clearly by the end of the movie he gets it because that's sort of the movie but we get all of these interesting pieces and it's this weird, are they friends? Why would they be friends? They have such different views on what this would be. And it really comes across in that moment where he's like, that doesn't make any sense. And he's sort of just relaxing into, ah, okay, what can we do now? She's weird. And I still like her. Exactly. And and, and he, he just like walks off. And he's like looking away from her. He's not even looking at Sally anymore. And she's even more confused than he is because she yeah. doesn't know. <laughs> she doesn't really know what's going on. And she goes, what? And she, right. she, Always. She's, she's clueless about this whole thing. But, you know, she's, she thinks that, I mean, I think Sally is a very smart character. You know, she's, yeah. she's, she's put together. She's very smart. But there are things that she's just completely clueless about. And apparently this is one of them. You know, she's, She's open enough with Harry, which, I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week, that I, I you know, their, their friendship started not long ago, and, and they're, they're open really quickly about everything. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about that this week also. You know, some of the things that they say to each other is, is something that you have to be friends with someone. You have to be very close friends with somebody for a long time before you're going to open up this much. You know, I, I I would expect. I I guess maybe the 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 idea. I mean, again, f- because most people who are listening to this have already seen the movie. Okay, the fact that they realize at the end that they are actually you know made for each other is something that they knew all along, and maybe that's why they were so comfortable with each other, and that they could get into these type of conversations really quickly. You know, I think that's what it is. In the movie- they keep talking about it, like they reiterate it multiple times, and including some of the minutes we'll get to, um, the idea that men and women can't be friends. And so the movie is trying to constantly buck that concept, trying to figure out who's right, Harry or Sally. Can right. men and women be friends or can't they? And this is the end of that scene is a really good version of, well, men and women are really different, but yes. maybe they can try to understand each other if they're open about it right? and keep talking about these things. And so then it kind of moves into this, them being friends for the next couple of scenes. Right. Exactly. We, we get some, we get some good, this week we get some good friend scenes. We got some, we got some last yeah. week also, but this week is also good. The, the, the things that they show us 
that they they go through and stuff like that. And I mean, I'm assuming you know the fact that that um, the characters are based on Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron. You know, yeah. the two of them, the, these are apparently uh, their personalities that they have, you know, created these characters based on their personalities. So, you know, it's it's more of a question of how, you know, Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron were good friends. So how do they get these characters uh, to realize that they can be good friends? I mean, uh, as far as I know, Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron never had um, any, any, type of intimate relationship the relationship was was just they were they were good friends right um i i think probably had the fact that that nora Ephron was married at the time but you know maybe maybe i, I think i might have heard some someplace where they they had said that if the two of them had been single at the time then maybe it would have been a little different but since they weren't it didn't make a difference because rob Burner had gone through his his divorce from uh penny marshall and, mm-hmm. you know, um, Nora Ephron had already gone through, I think, maybe two divorces at this point. You know, she was she was married to uh, to Bob. Uh, wait, not Bob Woodward. She was was it, she was married to Bernstein. Right. She was married to Bernstein, not Woodward. Right. And I think she had another marriage before. And it didn't, I, I don't remember. But the, the the bottom line is, is that they, they I mean, have you listened? Have you by any chance had a chance to listen to the commentary of, of this movie? I have. I've listened to a lot of it, yeah. Right. Okay. So, I mean, the uh, on the version that I have, and I have two commentaries. One that's just Rob Reiner, which is okay. is interesting, but it's pretty bland. The way that he's just pointing out little observations here and there, it, it gives us some insight into certain things. But the other one is Rob Reiner, Nora Ephron, and Billy Crystal, and they are having a blast. Yeah. You know, the three of them are telling us everything from behind the scenes. They're saying, "Oh, that was your line. That was your, you know, you thought of it." Like. Most of the dialogue. I think that's the one I've seen. Right. Most of the dialogue in this minute that we're going to come come across in just just a second, uh, Billy Crystal actually wrote, and they added that to the script. Mm-hmm. You know, and as we'll talk, also he even improvised a little bit along the way. But yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. Then the scene changes, and we are in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is known as yes. the Met. Um, now you requested this week, okay? Are you yes. are you a fan of the Met? I am. I've been many times since I was a kid. I live about six hours from New York City, and I love the Temple of Dendor and that whole place where it's set is very iconically the Met for me. Um, and doing a little background on this because all of a sudden I realized maybe I'm talking about a. Um, ancient artifact that actually is (laughs) under contention after being stolen from the Middle East in some place. And so I did a little more research about how the temple got to the Met and was absolutely very happily pleased, very happily discovered that it was not something that is sitting in this um, New York museum when it should be um, returned to its origins. Correct. You're, you're, origins start, no you're starting, to sound, starting to sound like Indiana Jones, you know, but he always says yeah. that it belongs in a museum. So, right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, so I, I don't know how much you want to know about why I chose it, but I'll give you a little bit. Um, so there's a Sesame Street one-hour special called Don't Eat the Pictures, where the Sesame Street gang basically hangs out in the museum and they accidentally get stuck there after dark. And one of the storylines is basically Big Bird goes to the Temple of Dendur at night and there's a little boy that basically comes alive and he's trapped in the temple because his spirit can't be freed. And this Sesame Street thing, I don't know how it came into my world. I've never seen it again since I was an adult, but... I think I probably saw it 50 times as a kid and it's just a little scary because you've got this sort of ghost coming out of a temple and they talk about it and being a star in the sky and Big Bird has to basically help this kid figure out how to be released to be a star in the sky. Yeah, And there's other stories in it. It actually sounds like something that's not for kids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it kind of isn't, except that one of it, and it goes through like the art and the Met and Bert and Ernie are there basically critiquing some of the art and the idea is there's all these beautiful pictures of food and still lifes and Cookie Monster has to be told not to eat the pictures. And I'm sure there's a song or two 
but I don't remember in detail. And so that's where my connection came from it. And so my little kid brain, the first time I went to the Met, wanted to see the Temple of Dundor. And then when I was old enough to watch When Harry Met Sally, there it is again. And it's this different sort of juxtaposition of like, oh, wow, this is like a thing people use as a cultural touchstone. Oh, wow. When, so, when, when was the first time you saw Harry Met Sally? How old were you? Probably 10 or 11. Like it came out when I was a teen or early teen. Um, and I probably I don't think I saw it in the theaters, but it was a movie that we watched in college less than five years later all the time oh, like wow. i had a vhs copy i now have a dvd copy and i've seen it many 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 times okay that's fair <laughs> that is completely fair so the, the the met the metropolitan museum of art of new york has yeah has over two million works and it's separated into 17 different uh, departments Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it's just amazing the 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 area of the whole uh, of the whole museum. It was first built in 1880, and uh, they they started with a two million square foot uh, building. And obviously, things have expanded, you know, over over the years with that. Do you know that? Yeah. They, do you know they have a, a mascot of the Met? Um. Yeah. Do you do? It's like it's the little symbol that's on the um pins that you get when you enter the met isn't it okay and what 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 animal is it do you know what's their mascot i don't actually it, i can visualize it but i don't know what animal it's it a be. hippopotamus it's a hippopotamus known as william the hippopotamus i don't know why they chose that that i'm not really yeah. sure but I, I, just, there's no connection i'm aware of i'm assuming there is some sort of connection but i you know i uh, I wasn't able to figure <laughs> out why that was the, you know, that was the chosen uh, mascot for, mm-hmm. but don't know. I, could, I can't help you. I don't know. It is, there's a little symbol, like when you get your button, because going to the Met is essentially free. It's, um, they ask for a donation and you're welcome to give whatever you want to give. There's a suggested amount, I'm sure. But you can go for free, which is one of the coolest things. When I was living in New York City before and during grad school, there were a lot of places you had to look for that you could go for free. And not all the museums are free all the time, but the Met always is or has been. And you can't see the whole thing in, gosh, you couldn't see the whole thing in a week, let alone a day. So you choose what you want to go see, and then you go check that out. Um, And... It's it's just a really great place to be. It's right in Midtown, and um, it's easy to get to. It's right by the park. It's just beautiful. Yeah. So okay. So I, I actually just looked it up. So the the uh, Willie the hip, hippopotamus is an Egyptian uh, f- uh, fence hippo, hippopotamus statue that they found wow. that they actually found when they were you know in in one of the digs. So it was, it was some, it, I mean, I can actually see a picture of it. You can't right now. Uh, it's a blue hippopotamus that has a whole bunch of different, uh, uh, you know, writings and pictures on it and stuff like that. And that has become the, the mascot. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. It was, it's, it's very cool. It was found in the tomb of the steward known as Sendi. So, uh, don't really, wow. don't really know enough about that, but uh, you know, I, I actually was like imagining like this guy dressed in a hippo costume, you know, and that that's what you're, you know, when <laughs> when you think of a mascot for that. But uh, yeah, exactly. Apparently, apparently it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there, right now, or the shot that we see is the Temple of Dendor. Mm-hmm. Okay, is a Roman Egyptian religious structure. That was originally located in an, in a place called Tuzis, which was later renamed Dendor, uh, which is right. about about uh, 80 kilometers or 50 miles south of Aswan. And the Emperor Augustus commissioned the temple and dedicated it to the Egyptian goddess Isis. Um, and um, in 1963, when they, the UNESCO were trying to rescue and relocate the temple from flooding, uh, because there, the Aswan High Dam uh, was right was being built. Yeah, 
So the Egyptians then there, yeah. gave the temple to the to the Met, and it's been uh, on on exhibition in the Met since 1978. You know, yeah. So, I mean, here right now it's what is it, 40, 45 years ago, 45 years it's been sitting there. You know, and uh, Harry and Sally went to visit it 10 years after it's there. I mean, that's already um, you know quite quite a long time. And I saw that the there were lots of places that basically were vying to get the temple to bring it into their museum and everything. Mm-hmm. And because the Met was willing to build this space, which makes it a brilliant shot for a scene for this shot, yeah. because it feels like it's outdoors, but it's indoors, and you get to see this interesting setup. So they the Met won the rights to show this because they had basically planned and built this space that would protect it from the elements while giving a visitor experience that was probably as close to being outside where the temple was as they could. And I think it's just remarkable. They were able to plan ahead with the intervention of UNESCO, as you said, to protect this in a very specific way. Yeah. But it's interesting that they wanted to protect it and send it to America. As opposed to trying to find a yeah. place in their own country, if it's if it's a right. temple, yeah, I mean, I, obviously it's the ruins of a temple, and I don't think people are still worshiping there, but still, right. you know, it's the type of thing uh, that uh, you you wouldn't think that someone would want to give to a different country. You'd think that they want to keep it uh, yeah. keep it local, but okay, I get. I guess at the time they didn't they they weren't thinking that far ahead. I, I wonder if I wonder if people ever regretted it. Maybe some money changed hands. Yeah, probably. Well, come on, something's got to pay for, you know, if, if if you said that nobody has to pay to get into the Met, something has to pay for, you know, right. all, the, all the maintenance that they do in the, in the Met. So who knows? Exactly. You know, until until I started doing research for this movie, I've, I've, I mean, I've seen this movie dozens of times. I never paid attention to the fact, I knew that they were in a, a museum. I didn't know which museum or where. So like when you told me a few months ago that you want the Temple of Dendorsine, I was like, Okay, I don't know where that is. <laughs> you know, I had to I had to actually <laughs> then look up what was you know the Temple of Dendor, and then I was like, oh, okay, now I understand what it is. I, I never, I was, yeah. I always paid attention to the dialogue and not to Fair. where that's happening. No, but that's one of the great things about doing movies in this particular way that you actually, can, I mean, this movie has tons of location shots. You know, we'll we'll get to so some, many. we'll get to another another really famous one later this week, but. Yeah. You know, for now, I mean, we we were we were at Shakespeare and Co. a few weeks ago, and you know, we mm-hmm. walked through Central Park and we were at a few different cafes. I mean, they 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 knew where to where to shoot <laughs> to to yeah, give us exactly. to give us the New York feel of of it all. Right. Yeah. Right. So they they have this establishing establishing shot of the the Temple of Dendor, and you know, we we get to see that just for a few seconds, and then we see in the distance Harry and Sally walking in the background. Which is great because that also mm-hmm. shows how small they are compared to this temple and vice versa. Right. How large this temple actually is because you can see people, you know, walking next to it. So then, yeah. then uh, the dialogue begins and I'm just going to quickly go through the dialogue and then we'll, we'll, we'll break it down afterwards as opposed to sure. stopping and starting each time. So Harry says, I have decided that for the rest of the day, we are going to talk like this. I'm not going to try and do the voices. You know, yeah. pretend <laughs> pretend that that Harry that 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 you're hearing the voices, and Sally then tries <laughs> and says like this, and he goes, "No, please to repeat after me, Pepper, 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 Pepper. Waiter, there is too much pepper on my pepper gush." And then Sally starts laughing, and then she tries to say it and says, "Waiter, there is too much pepper," and then Harry helps her on my pepper gush. She goes, on my pepper crush, but I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. And then she loses it again, starts laughing, and she goes, oh, no, but I would be proud, but I would be proud to partake, to partake of your pecan pie, of your pecan pie, pecan pie. I love the way that he drags that out there. I know. And then he says it again, pecan pie, pecan pie. And once again, she just loses it, and okay, so we'll 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 stop here for now. We'll we'll continue with the dialogue yeah. afterwards because this is a good. Now, my first question is is why the hell is Harry deciding to do this? Like, you know, how does it help his day 
that he has decided that they're going to speak in a funny, you know, uh, Indonesian. <laughs> I I agree. I think it's. I mean, it's great. Of... It's great. I'm not. I'm not knocking it. I love yeah. it. I love the way they do it. There's no question about that. But my big question here is why. You know, is he trying in some ways to impress Sally? Ooh, I don't think so. I feel like it's especially coming off that last scene where he's shown they've shown so such different perspectives on having a sex dream or whatever. Um, now they're basically the movie's sort of changing to being silly, and he's trying to. I I think. Harry is trying to figure out if Sally can be silly. Like, I think he thinks of her as sort of a repressed person and is trying to figure out if she can be silly too. And I think the scene and the way they go through it, like she's a little uncomfortable. She laughs at it and doesn't just dive right in the way like older friends would do, like who have done this kind of repartee like 10 times. Right. Well, like, this is the first oh, time. We're gonna go to a yeah. Right clearly and she's not sure what's happening and if he's serious or how this is going to work i think harry's trying to figure out if sally can be silly like he like clearly has a sense of humor and he's talked about other people not having a sense of humor and he's trying to see i think if sally has one that's what it's always hit me with why he's doing this to see if he can get her a little less comfortable than that previous scene was to show that she's not as repressed as maybe she comes across. Because then he feels that he can be better friends with her. I mean, is that, is that the idea? You know, he, he feels yeah, that, he, that so. he needs, he needs her to, to loosen up and maybe this is the way to do it. I agree. I think that's kind of what he's trying to get at is like, let's see if I can loosen up Sally, see if we can change her, sort of way of being and i think the movie does a good job with the costuming to show that she kind of does right mm -hmm. she's generally very very layered for many many things and then when you get to the new year's eve scene much later she's in just a sheath dress right so she's sort of unlayered and open in some ways like this scene she's got lots of layers on she's very much buttoned up and Harry's just kind of always a little flubby in his outfits, right. and he's not as fancy ever. Correct. Um, and I think no, sometimes he is. With the, with, when he, when I mean, we'll see it later. I think uh, maybe it's the oh, end yeah. of today when he's when he's in the white the white sweater. You know, the white that, sweater, right? Right. Um, but I think he's generally less, and I think that might be a moment of him coming closer to where she is, meeting her where she lives and this is him trying to draw her to where he is right right I think, being silly okay that. That, that, that's fair um she doesn't do it as well as he does obviously <laughs> no you know and and i wonder if that's because meg ryan just isn't as funny as billy crystal or if it's yeah. the idea that that sally is you know still somewhat repressed or whatever it could be well and <laughs> You talk about the um, the commentary, and I don't know if it was in one of the commentaries that I've seen, but they do the scripted part, which is the waiter, there is too much pepper on my paprikash. And then she finishes her repeating him. And the next line, but I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie, is completely improvised. Correct. Like you can see her looking at the director. She looks at Rob Reiner and say, gets, gets the, the yeah. and he gives her the sign. Keep going, keep going. It's good. Keep going. It's good. Keep going. Like, and she's and it's so weird to have heard that and then see her in the scene because it's weird that the character would look away in that particular direction. But I'm glad they left it in. Yeah. Like it's not it's not distracting that she did. It was that like, she looks off screen. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> she literally looks off screen. Um, and I love that that Billy Crystal is trying to get this much younger Meg Ryan to. Um, loosen up yep. in how she does this. Yes. I think he would just improvise the whole show if he was allowed to, and I think that would be problematic. But I think his bits of improvising are really throwing some cool moments in this scene. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think it, it still amazes me every time to think about the fact that there's a 13-year difference between the two of them. You know, <laughs> the because because they have such great chemistry. You know, their their right. characters are only five years apart. According to the script. Okay. okay. According yeah. to the script, when they started in 1977, uh, Sally was 21 and Harry was 26. 
know, he was finishing up law school okay. and she was just finishing up her, you know, her, her, uh, her BA in, uh, I guess, journalism, communication, something like right. that. Um, okay. So they, he, they mentioned Pepper. They mentioned Pepper quite often. You know, there, there are, uh, was it five, five uh, references to the word Pepper, right? So Pepper is, uh, comes from a peppercorn. Okay, there mostly people use black pepper, but mm -hmm. did you know that there are other uh, types of peppers? I mean, we're not we're not, we're not even talking about like the pepper. You know, we're not talking about I don't even know how to differentiate between the peppers of peppercorn and you know like green peppers and red peppers and things like that. Right. You know, I, I'm I'm I guess more from the perspective of a spice. I don't, I don't know if pepper is really a spice, but you know. So do, I think do so. you know do yeah. you know what other color uh, peppers uh, there are as spices? Well, in my own spice cabinet, I have pink peppercorns and red peppercorns and white peppercorns. Wow! In addition to standard black pepper. Wow! Yeah, my dad's a foodie. Okay, and <laughs> and they do they do they all taste similar or they all have very different uh, tastes? Not very different. They all have very slightly different and it has to be for just the right um dish that it that it even matters at all um like white i find a little less um intense less spicy pink feels a little um different in that it's i don't know softer in some way and then the one that I actually use for most cooking is the mixture of red, white, black, and pink. And they all, t it, it just tastes nice. Wow. Good peppers. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> That's great. Um, right. So there's black, there's white, there's green. There, I okay. think there's green. I've seen my dad's green. Right. Dried green peppercorns are treated in a way that retains the green color. Um, which is why they, they stay uh, green. Um, they they mm -hmm. they do decay quickly if they're not dried or preserved, so uh, you can't uh, ship them internationally like most uh, other types of peppers. Um, then you have oh, yeah, then you have the red ones that we talked that you talked about, and then you have the pink ones, which also you mentioned. Do you know where uh, pink peppercorns are are grown? I don't. I want to say Turkey in that area, but I could be no, wrong. No, it is in South America. It's uh, either in Peru, oh, wow. okay. Peru or wrong. Brazil. Um, but and okay. what's very interesting is, is that pink pepper is member. It's a member of the cashew family. Therefore, wow. therefore, people can get allergic reactions uh, for people who have nut allergies. Oh, good to know. Yeah. So you you have to you know make sure you have an epipen with uh, you know if someone goes into anaphylactic <laughs> shock <laughs> along the way. Good, very good to know. Yeah. So black pepper is mostly from South Asia. That's where it started okay. uh, many, many yep. moons ago, I guess you can say. <laughs> um, I mean, they've, they've had pepper around for, for, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of, no, for thousands of years. You know, they, yeah. they actually found yeah. black peppercorns uh, stuffed into the nostrils of Ramses II, which was part of his mummification wow. pro process, which, you know, again, maybe that's why Harry is mentioning it, because they're in the temple, you know, of Darden. <laughs> yeah, who knows? An Egyptian there you go. It could be. <laughs> I think it's also one of those um, like theater tricks. You want to use um, certain enunciations in that sentence mm -hmm. to like get your mouth practiced. So it's this moment of taking the pepper, pepper, and getting a good accent and a pop on your sound right. while they're practicing it. So. I think it's Billy Crystal sort of adding in, or actually all of them, Rob Reiner and the rest of them, their theater-ish background, their stage background of right. getting the right noises into their mouth. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have tons of more information about uh, peppers, but I, I, I think we've uh, <laughs> we've, we've talked <laughs> enough about peppers I don't, or, or the spice pepper, let's say. Uh, so, did you go into paprika? Of course That's I did. One. Of course I did. So do you know what paprikash is? I I have had it. I don't know actually what it was being made of at this point, but I have had it in the past. Okay. It's so it good. is actually mostly known as chicken paprikash, which is a Hungarian right. uh, dish. 
Uh, sometimes it's also known as paprika chicken. Okay, it is yes. one of I the- I was gonna say, it's not pepper as much. Right, it's, it's paprika. <laughs> it's one of the most famous variations right. of, uh, of, of paprika, paprika type uh, uh, Hungarian dishes. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the name is derived from the fact that they use a lot of paprika. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a very Hungarian, uh, spice that, that's used, uh, you know, very much so. <laughs> they use it a lot. Yeah. Exactly. You can get sweet paprika and you can get, um, a hot paprika. Right. They, they, it's, it apparently resembles, uh, goulash. It's like in the same family. Yeah. That type of thing. It's uh, usually served with uh, dumpling-like uh, boiled egg noodles. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes with tagliatelli. Tagliatelli. There you go. And boiled boiled noodles, uh, rice, or things yep. like that. Yeah. So I, I actually never even thought about the fact of what paprikash was beforehand. You know, I'd heard it. Okay, oh, paprikash, nice. paprikash. You know, but didn't really think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually very good and. If you're making it, um, you want to mix the um, sweet paprika with um, the hot paprika, and depending on how hot you want it mm-hmm. to go. Okay. Well, one other thing I wanted to mention about pepper that I forgot to mention before is that it was commonly yeah. believed that during the Middle Ages, um, pepper was used often to conceal the taste of partially rotten meat that they were serving. Ew. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Oof, that would create a very odd association in your head, yeah, I guess. Yeah, because apparently pepper... That maybe you don't like right, pepper. Right, because pepper was actually, you know, seen as uh, something that was only affordable to the wealthy. Yeah. Um, so, no, no one knows No one knows if that if, if that rumor is true or not, but I just thought it was really funny that, <laughs> that they would actually mention that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, the... the um, what else? Uh, pecan pie, right? Absolutely. I like that he, he, like you said before, he stretches it out. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. As if pie, one <laughs> syllable word can be stretched out into all three letters of yeah. it. I wonder how long, <laughs> pie. exactly, I wonder how long Billy Crystal was, was, you know, practicing that line before he told anybody that he was going to say it. You know, like, like yeah. what made him think of it? I don't, I, I, I would be really amazed if he thought of it on the spot, you know. I would 100% bet that he thought of it on the spot. It just feels so, maybe he's a prep um, comedian, but having seen him in so many other comedies, he does so much off the cuff type stuff. And it's maybe just because it builds on that, the pop of the pepper I would be proud to partake of your. Right, it sounds, it sounds like a tongue like twister. It's, it's got the alliteration. Yeah, it's got the yeah, tongue yeah. twister alliteration for sure. Um, so when yeah. when do you think uh, pecan pie was uh, first published as as a recipe? You know, like when did someone think of it? Whoa! How far back do you think it goes? I would bet it goes back to I don't. It feels like an American. Um, dessert but it may absolutely not be and at least in the united states it's a very southern dessert so i would guess the early 1800s late 1800s the first the first yeah the first known uh association of of the uh recipe was in 1886 in harper's bazaar wow okay yeah that's crazy I love pecan pie. <laughs> and just because someone out there listening <clears throat> is angry at us for saying pecans and because that's what Billy Crystal says pecan. and knowing that it is probably appropriately pecan. pecan. Exactly. But we're talking if you're from but, the South, but we're quoting pecan. the movie. So he doesn't say pecan pie. He says right. pecan pie. No, he doesn't. You know. Pecan pie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, pecans are actually native of the US. Um they yep. actually were able to find evidence that there were pecans in Texas that the Native Americans used uh, over 8,000 years ago. Whoa, that's very cool. Yeah. And uh, the word is an Algonquin word, pecani, which refers to several oh, wow. months, okay. you know, things that's like funny, that. That's funny because Algonquin is in the north, was in the northeast more than in Texas. Uh, that I don't know. <laughs> no, you're, no, that's you're, cool. You're, you're the professor, I mean, maybe not me. Using the same so, nut. You know. 
And I live in the Northeast, so I could be biased that it just was in my third grade ele- education. It's very possible. <laughs> we had to build Algonquin longhouses. <laughs> it, it is actually the official state pie of Texas. Cool. That they uh, chose in, uh, they, they decided in 2013 to, to make it the, the uh, official <laughs> state pie. So, you know, when Harry and Sarah and Sally are walking around the Met, it, it wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, they're they're different. Yeah, it's such a southern. Yeah, dessert. they're different types of variations. You can have butterscotch. You can have chocolate brownie, mm-hmm. maple sawdust pie, yeah. transparent pie, and whiskey chocolate chip pie. Which basically yeah. you you put maple pecan bourbon. That's right, Jack Dan- Jack Daniels. <laughs> yep. So it's a, it's an interesting thing to add to uh to to a pie. You know, not something I would have expected. No, it's basically a pie of sugar, and then the pecans are on the top. <laughs> so, and in other words, you need to so put good. you need to put a little bit of uh, booze in there to make it work better. It helps to cut it out, yeah, to balance it. Um, chocolate pecan pie is one of my favorites. Oh, wow. it's so okay. good, great. So, if if you have a recipe, you can send it to me, and I'll post it. You know, so people can see <laughs> sure. see the uh, you know the uh, Jess's pecan pecan pie uh, chocolate. Pie, uh, recipe. Yeah. I I think I even do have a recipe that I used last <laughs> summer. Let me see if I can okay. It. Hey, if it works for that. <laughs> now I find it really funny when when Sally is you know doing these imitations, her she she has like a Joker look on her face. You know, it's, it's yes. Like Billy Crystal keeps his face normal when he's doing it, but but hers she like squishes up her exactly. No one can see what you did, but me. Yeah. But yeah. Uh... I know. I couldn't help it. <laughs> it's just like she's got she's just got this like frozen face as if manipulating how her lips move will help her make that sound come out. It's it's so bizarre. Watching it again for this, I hadn't realized like how odd it is for how frozen her face yeah. is in that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Harry continues with his uh uh with with this uh, strange voice. And then he says, would you mm-hmm. like to go to the movies with me tonight? And Sally doesn't realize that this is not part of their whole thing. And, and she says, would you like to go what? And he goes, not to repeat. Please, to answer. Would you like to go to the movies with me tonight? And then Sally goes, oh, oh. And we're going to have to wait till tomorrow to find out what her actual answer is. But she is really taken off guard by that, by that question. She didn't know. She wasn't expecting it. You know, it, it's no. the type of thing that do, – do you think that, that he's basically asking her out or he's saying, you know, if we're both free tonight, let's just go to a movie together like friends? Which do you think this is? I think he's, I think he's doing that. I think he's just like, let's keep hanging out. And do you want to go to the movies tonight? I don't think he's asking her out for a real date, real date. But I think he is trying to potentially test the waters of a real date um, just to see like, okay, this is what I would do if I was hanging out with a woman I found attractive and we would go and do this other thing together. And I think the problem is at least when she doesn't answer instantly in an affirmative, she potentially, and as we'll get to, she's potentially shooting down that real date Correct. and it leaves that last second very ambiguously uncomfortable. Yes, I, I, I felt very uncomfortable watching that, even just looking at it right now, because, you know, over the years of when I was dating, you know, uh, decades ago, these type of things did happen to me. You know, I would ask, ask out sure. a friend, you know, there was the whole, the whole idea of, you know, do you, do you want to ruin a friendship by, by going on a date? And I was always under the impression that, well, I'm. I want to have you know my best friend as the person that I'm going to be dating and and eventually share my life with. So I was like, okay, and I was willing to take that chance. And obviously, I have uh, a long list of of former uh, good friends that are no longer friends because of that. But you know that. But that, yeah, and he's, I felt he's that. really I going out that. on it. See, that's why I asked the question because to me it feels as if he actually is you know more than testing the waters. He's He's saying, "Okay, let's let's go out and see. You know, I've ha- basically I had a great time with you all day today. Let's see where this goes. You know, that type of thing." 
But I think he's doing, because he's doing it in that funny voice, he's not willing to be like perfectly vulnerable right. and just straight up, do you want to go out with me tonight? Like he's, he's named a specific event, right. which is what you do with friends. Like, would you like to go to the movies with me tonight? Um, it's not, would you like to go out with me Correct. tonight? So he he's, he's hedging just a little. And by using that funny voice, he kind of gets to backtrack a little in the vulnerability um, aspect of, well, you know, I was just kidding. And he's setting himself up so he could. Right. And instead it just gets awkward because her instant answer is uncomfortable. Correct. Correct. And therefore we have to leave people for the next 24 hours very uncomfortable thinking about yeah. what, you know, where this, this conversation <laughs> is going. So do you have anything else you want to say about this minute yeah. before we get into the, the script? No, that's a great okay. minute. So the, the, the script, the this scene is pretty much word for word the way that it does it. Um, when Harry starts talking in the funny voice, and in the script it says funny voice. It doesn't say what funny voice. You know, right. they, they allow uh, Billy Crystal to decide how he wants to do that. And he says, may I have some pepper? Instead of... Uh, Instead oh. of just saying, uh, you know, pepper. <laughs> and then he mm -hmm. talks about the fact, may I have some pepper on my pepper cash? But then he says something else. He says, I think I'll have some tomato juice. And she repeats it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but I, I think uh, proud to partake in your pecan, pecan pie is a little better. I think, it, I think it works better. Yes, much stronger. <laughs> and, and funnier. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Works, works really well. Oh, much. Yes. Yeah. So the, that, that's a good line not to have cut because it, it also doesn't have the that poppy sound that the pepper and paprikash and pecan Correct. all do. So it's what, it's outside what they probably yeah, which wanted. which I'm assuming is what uh, you know uh, Billy Crystal realized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ex absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So every Monday we have a segment called uh, Meg Ryan Monday, where my guests will give their top five Meg Ryan performances. So Jess, why don't you start with your number five and work your way up? Very cool. Um, there's a little bit of probable repetition because one of the things I was looking at, what, looking at her um, movie history, like I was able to generate probably three, and then I was I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something big or obvious that I couldn't generate off the top of my head, so I looked it up. Um, you're, you're allowed to look it up. It's not it's not a test for you. It's, a, it's an open book. It's oh, an open book if, test. <laughs> I wanted to see if I could just generate a list, and then they would really be my favorites. Ah, okay. So my top. All right, five. that's fair. Um, so number five, I'm going to give a solid to um, Top Gun. I know it's not a movie she's known for, but because I just watched Maverick before um, Christmas, um, and that her her absence is noted in Maverick, I realized what a great couple of moments she has in Top Gun. Like she comes in and she's Goose's wife and they're in the bar and singing, which really sets up who Goose is and that he has this whole life in contrast to Maverick. So Top Gun is my number five, Meg Ryan. Right. I was actually very disappointed that, that they didn't have, that they couldn't get her to be in Maverick. You know, I think even just a small little cameo would have, would have helped a little bit, but okay. Instead, they yeah. said the killer. They could get yeah, away for the killer, <laughs> or assume that, yeah, assume that they changed her hair over. Well, time. Meg Ryan in every if you um, if you pay attention in every Meg Ryan movie, she has a different hairstyle, and in this one, she's got three. Oh, completely, yeah. like wildly yes. different. Even when she's yeah, exactly, she has at least three in this. More like watching the eighties trans transition all Correct. along from some of that into the nineties. Um, so number four, do you want to keep going? Okay. Number four is Joe versus the volcano. One of her, I think three movies with Tom mm -hmm. Hanks. Yeah. Um, and so Joe versus the volcano is a terrible movie. Um, it is, I think trying to be tongue in cheek about everything and, it doesn't really succeed except when you've seen it like 25 right. times and then it just <laughs> succeeds across the board right. that it is sort of family lore about if you have a good trunk, you can go on vacation and 
as long as it floats. Like we make these random comments that have to do with Joe versus the volcano all the time. And (laughs) it's such a random movie to like have a family connection to, but if it comes on TV, I will absolutely watch it. And um, one of the ways I I knew my partner was going to be my husband is he knew what a brain fog was or a brain (laughs) cloud was. And it's like, okay, you have enough movie knowledge to understand a brain cloud. And she plays, I think, three, three, different, three characters different characters in that yep. movie. Sisters or half-sisters. And the one that ultimately is the one that is supposed to jump into the volcano is just so lovely. And we get, like, these weird alter egos of her. And the final one, and I didn't look up their names as the characters, but... um She's just lovely. She's nice. She's interesting. She challenges everything Tom Hanks is doing. And even though the movie's about Joe, I think Meg Ryan steals so much of that movie. She gives these kooky performances, like the sister who basically talks like she always has too much gum in her mouth and isn't sure what's going on. (laughs) And is crazy and like smokes and moves around and has bright red hair. To then this like super competent ship captain. Right. The three the three characters she, the, the three characters she plays are Dee Dee, Angelica, and Patricia. Right. Um, and they're just I don't know. I think she does a great job in that. So that would be my number okay. four. Um, number three has to be when Harry met Sally. I don't know if I was supposed to pick one that's not no, in no, there. No. You're but supposed to, you're supposed to... Okay. Pick mine. Um, So when Harry met Sally, for all the reasons I'm sure you and all your other guests have said, she's just wonderful. She does the buttoned up um, sex dream. Oh, is where I change what I'm wearing. She delivers the line so well. And this definitely will talk about eventually the um, what happens in Katz's diner, et cetera. You can't right. beat that. Like it's iconic in so many ways, and she is a reason because of that. I can't imagine almost any other actress of her generation doing anything close to what happened. Correct. From, from what I from what I understand, um, she. I mean, we'll talk about this more next week. But from what I understand, yeah, she actually suggested that she do the orgasm on screen. You know, as opposed to just wow. talking about it. But you know, the that's yeah, crazy. Completely. um okay so my number two is a odd movie that i don't think was a big hit but it was really interesting for me um i spent time in france when i was in high school and (laughs) did a ton of french um classes in high school i minored in french in college except for the last class so it's not on my transcript just to be full disclosure but it's the movie French yes. Kiss, exclamation point. With, with uh, um, Kevin Klein. With Kevin Klein. And he does a wonderful French accent because he's more than capable of it. And she gets to play this... Canadian or ex-Canadian. <laughs> Canadian sad tourist who's gone to, gone to France to win back the douchebag excuse me love of her life timothy no 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 timothy hutton timothy hutton timothy hutton timothy hutton is someone else sorry not Not my bad my bad (laughs) timothy hutton um who has basically just like left her for a younger person even and we get to see she's gone she's uncomfortable with the whole process there's lots of things about it but her whole attitude through the movie just always thrills me. Like she's got the super spiky short hair. She wears a vest. I think she was basically what Ellen became before Ellen yeah. was Ellen. If the timing and she was out. lactose intolerant and, <laughs> and very lactose intolerant on the train. And I, I just like it. She gets, they get a little drunk. Why didn't you wake me up? And I love that she basically steals the necklace yeah. back. and he's all despondent because he's lost his vine and his necklace and she figures out he's a thief. And it's not that she's this super naive person all the way through, but she's not really in on his heist either. And she starts to realize what a not nice person Timothy was and that 
the, the Juliet deserved him. And I, I kind of like how she mocks being French and yet falls in love with Luke yeah. and is very happy with Luke. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Klein is just fun. And the scenery is gorgeous at the, his family's vineyard. And then on the Riviera, just the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I love it. So I must have seen it, I don't know, a hundred times wow. in college. Okay. I know. It, 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 I don't know. It just does it for me. And then the number one is always Slickless in Seattle. It can't be beat. Um, she does a good job basically finding that weird version of how do you fall in love with someone you've never met? And how do you have this moment or this connection with either a voice on a radio or I don't know, it was the early podcast, yeah, right? Talk right. radio. And Dr. Marsha, Dr. Marsha Fieldstone. Fieldstone. Right. Yep. Um, and you, she kind of connects with the tone of his voice and then thinks it's crazy. And the two of them do a really good job building that chemistry that lasts them through Joe versus the volcano and you got right. now. So. <laughs> very good. It's pretty yeah. sweet. Great. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for that list. That was a great list. So what do you, do you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you, even though you're a lapse blogger, or would you rather that people just get in <laughs> touch with you via me? What would you prefer? Um, no, they're welcome to find me on Twitter. I still exist there for now. Um, it's basically a long wrap back to my blogging days. Um, the blog was called Insight into Entertainment. It, I think it's still on the internet. Um, I didn't take it down. And the, my Twitter handle is in underscore entertain. And the name handle you'd see is Dr. Jess Rogers. Excellent. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Up Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Or you can go directly to my website, moveyourupminute.com. So until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you had to be you. <laughs> <laughs>